Hey, I'm Kendall. Welcome to All People's Church, one of the pastors and leaders here. Robert, our lead pastor, is away for the weekend. He'll be back next week. And I'm going to be continuing our series, The Secrets of Enjoying God. Let me start with a little story, a backstory from my life. Um, I was raised in church, and uh, on the way to our auditorium, our sanctuary, where we worshiped each Sunday, there were 12 portraits in a hallway. And we would walk by those portraits, and what they were is they were portraits of the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles, Jesus's first 12 disciples. And so I just remember walking through that hallway each week to go to worship and looking at those portraits. And no one ever told me this, but I just kind of had this thought, like Jesus obviously came to earth and he had his 12 disciples and he gave those disciples this job to tell the whole world about him and the good news of the kingdom of God. And again, nobody ever told me this, but it was my own conclusion that those 12 disciples did the job, and now the job is done. And actually, growing up in my, my little bubble that I grew up in, it really made sense. I think I had two friends that were atheists, and it was very much by their choice. A few friends that were Jewish, same thing. It was kind of just their choice, and they, and they, they were very staunchly of that faith. And so it just had never occurred to me, it's a little embarrassing to say, that there were people that wanted to follow Jesus, people that wanted to know about God that just hadn't had a chance to hear the message yet. It just had never occurred to me. And it was amazing to me when I went to college in a, church, in a city that was very churched with a lot of churches, but I started to befriend people at this church that I attended that were very intentional of telling others about Jesus and about what God was doing in their life. And what was amazing to me was even in that little town that was full of churches and full of opportunities for people to learn about God, there were still people who had never heard the message of Jesus. And there are still people that somehow seemed to be prepared and wanted to receive Jesus and walk with him and learn how to follow him after hearing his message. So it was kind of a shocker for me. It kind of messed up my worldview a little bit. And I'll never forget a year later, I found myself changing my spring break plans. I had a great ski trip planned. It was going to be awesome. I was going to go up on the mountains and on the ski lift, I was going to tell people about Jesus. You can still do that, by the way. But I was kind of trying to get out of something else. And I was at a friend's house, and there was a bunch of us hanging out, and this beautiful young lady who I ended up marrying across the room said, hey, you need to change your spring break plans and go on this mission trip to Mexico. And, well, she was cute, so I thought I'd do it. And I found myself on a bus, going to some training days, crossing a border, and then we end up in this park in Mexico. And our basic strategy was to make a ruckus. So we show up at the park, everyone gets off, we ha have songs, we have a dance, we have drama. I'm sure they're all terrible. The people were very gracious to listen and learn what our message was. And then at the end of that time, it was our job to go around the park and pray for people and tell them about Jesus. We had little books to show them. And as I was looking around, I thought, well, I need to find the biggest group possible because I gave up skiing for this. And so in the corner of the park, there was kind of this little group that had congregated, a little semicircle. So I walked over there, and as I approached, it was kind of interesting. There was probably six or seven people, and in the middle of this group were two clowns. And when I say clowns, I mean full-out circus clowns. I mean, I'm talking makeup, the red nose, the little bowling pin things that they juggle, wigs, the whole nine yards. So think of a clown, and you're right there. These guys were clowns. And so I watched their presentation, and then at the end of that time, struck up a conversation and told them why I was at the park. We talked for a while. I prayed for one of them. 
And you know what was amazing is, you know, when we read the Bible, you see Jesus and his disciples, they're going to different towns and villages, spreading the good news of the kingdom of God. And when they're doing that, it seems like the Holy Spirit is showing up, right? Like people are being healed or touched or transformed or set free. And as I begin to share the message of Jesus with one of these clowns, the Holy Spirit started touching him. And I could see visibly he was kind of starting to get overcome by the presence of God. And then he started to cry. And his sweet little clown makeup started to run down his face as he's crying and God touching. It was really a beautiful thing. I mean, grown man, you know, crying as God is touching him. And then I, I turned to his friend and said, what do, you, what do you think? And his friend said, the other clown, I'm a Christian, and I've been praying for this clown to meet Jesus for several months. And so I had the opportunity of leading my first person and my first clown to Jesus. And that was so exciting. And... What I got to experience in that moment is the subject of our message today. It's a secret of enjoying God. Enjoying God by talking to people about Jesus. Enjoying, to God by talking, enjoying God by talking to people about Jesus. You know, it's really true. How beautiful are the feet of those who share the good news. That's what it says in Romans 10. It's a beautiful thing. It's a joyous thing to tell people about Jesus. Today, I don't have a specific church program I'm trying to recruit you for. There's not some special evangelism seminar I'm going to invite you to at the end of this time. Here's what I'm hoping in my heart is not that you go out and do something, but you go out and become someone that's excited about talking about Jesus. That's what's going to change this city. Amen. Why don't you pray with me that God does that in our hearts. Lord, we do pray that you'd stoke our fires today, that we'd leave excited and encouraged and hopeful that we can enjoy talking about you and that we can meet you in a powerful way, even as we share your message with others. In Jesus' name, amen. The Secrets to Enjoying God series has been great. We talked about the Sabbath, other aspects of spiritual growth, like Bible study or prayer, identity in Christ. And now we're going to look outwards and talk about talking to people about Jesus. What we're going to discuss today, we're going to discuss a why, why talking about Jesus with others brings us supernatural joy. A what? What kind of circumstances should we look for to talk to others in our life about Jesus? And then a how? How can we do that practically together? And we're going to look at a story of the disciples. It's very similar to my story. They were in a little insular religious community in Israel, and then Jesus stepped in and disrupted their world and then sent them out to tell other people about Jesus. We see the story in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to be here in the New Living Translation. You can follow along, whatever version of the Bible. You have Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Now the Lord chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. Okay, let's stop there. This is a really amazing verse. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples, and he sent them ahead into all these places where he planned to go. Right, at, right after this verse, we're going to look at some of the challenges of talking with people about Jesus because uh, Jesus really addresses those in this passage. But first, he p- provides us this incredible vision. And here's the vision we are God's advance team. He is sending us to people and places where he's about to go. Uh, in college, I lived on this busy street, and it was when George W. Bush was president. And uh, near the town we lived in, he owned a ranch. 
And so periodically he would land Air Force One. Well, he wouldn't do it. The, the pilot would. But Air Force One would land and in, in, our, in our little town in an airport. And then his motorcade would drive. And actually, because of the street we lived on, it would drive right by our house to go to his ranch in Crawford, Texas. And so there were several times I got to see the presidential motorcade. But here's what I learned. Before the president actually drives by a street, there is a very extensive advance team that shows up to prepare the way for him. And so they're there early in the morning. I don't know what they do, but I'm sure they're doing security and safety checks. And they set up cones. And it was a one-way street. They actually turned the the direction of the street the other way. And they go the wrong way down a one-way street with the motorcade. They're blocking things off, preparing traffic, cleaning things out. And then after all their advance work, in a matter of time, the president would land on his plane and then zoom by on his motorcade just for a few seconds by our house to his ranch. This is very similar to what God calls us to be. We're his advance team. We're preparing the way for him. And then in just a matter of time, he shows up and changes people's lives. It's amazing that he sends us to the place where he's about to go, because we know if he's going there, it's going to be good. Because when Jesus' presence shows up, there's joy, there's healing, there's freedom, there's righteousness, all the things that happens. When Jesus shows up, we're going to get to see happen if we choose to be on his advance team and we choose to go forth and prepare the way for him. I like that word chose. Now the Lord chose 72 disciples. Look at your neighbor and say, I am chosen. I looked up this in a different translation, the English Standard Version. It said this, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two in every town and place where he himself was about to go. That word appointed, that word chose, is a governmental word. And I cannot pronounce the Greek word. I'm actually not even going to try. But I, I looked it up. It's a fascinating governmental term. And here's some of the definitions. To proclaim one as elected into office. That's one definition. To announce as appointed a king or general to lift up anything on high and exhibit it for all to behold. God has chosen us. He has appointed us. He has given us his authority to be his advance team, to go to the peoples and the places that he is about to go. And that's encouraging because we can enjoy the process of telling people in our lives about Jesus because we know we've been chosen to be there. And if we've been chosen to be there, that he's going to show up. Amen? Good things happen when Jesus shows up. Okay, let's continue in verse 2. These were his instructions, instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. So now he's going to get into some challenges that happen when we go to tell people about Jesus. Here's the first challenge. There are wolves. Listen, I've seen the Discovery Channel. Lambs versus wolves, the odds aren't good, right? However, these lambs have a shepherd. All right, somebody give me an amen for that. You knew it was coming. But, but look, he sends us out as lambs amongst wolves. What's that all about? Well, he sent his people into the promised land, and who was there? There were giants. And those people had a choice. They said, hey, I can look at the giants or I can look at the fruit. See, we can look at the wolves or we can look at the harvest. When you go to tell people about Jesus in your life, the enemy will oftentimes come against you with a spirit of intimidation 
to scare you and deter you from declaring and proclaiming the name of Jesus boldly. And I want you to know, don't give in to that intimidation because God has good things on the other side. He's actually warning you that it's going to happen. You know, we can give in to intimidation so easily. We can say, well, you know, I'll talk to my neighbor about Jesus if, you know, when I'm pulling out of my car tomorrow morning, there's a cloud in the shape of a lion that flies over their house, right? Or if my coworker has a yellow shirt with a green cross on it, then I'll be sure to tell them, hey, you want to know about the cross, right? Or, you know, we do all these spiritual gymnastics to try to get out of talking people about Jesus because so many times because of the intimidation the enemy brings, we approach the subject of talking about Jesus with guilt and shame feeling like we're not doing enough. But we've been appointed. We've been chosen. And where we're going, Jesus is going to come. So we got to press through the intimidation and tell people in our life about Jesus. Here's some other challenges that Jesus predicts are going to happen in our life. Don't take any money with you, any traveler's bag, any extra pair of sandals. Interesting mission trip, okay? And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Okay, keep going. Whenever you enter someone's house, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking, whatever they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. So here's the next thing Jesus warns us about. If we're going to start telling people in our lives about him, we're going to find ourselves in some awkward situations. We're going to find ourselves in some awkward situations, right? So here's some examples. First of all, There's some inconvenient, awkward situations. The disciples have to rely on other people. That is inconvenient, right? It's inconvenient to rely on other people for your house and to be helped by them and to be hosted by them. When we're telling other people about Jesus, we have to enter into their lives because we're the only Bible they're reading. So they need time with us for us to be God's ambassadors, and for them to experience the presence of God. Here's another awkward thing that happens, uncomfortable situation. It can be uncomfortable to enter into the lives of others and represent the goodness of God to them and tell them about Jesus. Some uncomfortable things, you know, there's things about clothing here that are interesting in Luke chapter 10, but then it says this, eat what is set before you. Listen, I've had many meals I did not want to have because I was trying to tell someone about Jesus. Praise God for that one guy on the mission trip that just has an iron stomach and you can just like push the plates down, you know, during the community meal. So thankful for that guy. I'll never forget, this is a very extreme example. I was in a swamp in Indonesia and they, they, they have this hut that's on stilts that are just kind of sticking out of the water and you kind of get, get through this swamp on this levee, climb up up these steps and you're in this elevated hut. And then they told us, we are now going to have a traditional Indonesian ceremonial meal. Okay, mission trip tip for you. Look out for the ceremonial meal. Okay, just letting you know. Okay, you go visit one of our missionaries. And they say, hey, I want to want to introduce you to the ceremony. They're playing a joke on you, okay? They're, they're trying to see if you really have what it takes. So anyway, the ceremonial meal at this particular place was tree sap. And so they go to a tree and they pull this sap out of a tree, but it had about the consistency of rubber cement. So you'd pull it and it would return to its original form. It was kind of like gak. If you're in your 30s, you remember gak, okay? You passed around your elementary school. And then they cut open a fish and they put the inside of the fish on the gak. And then you had one little chopstick that you'd stick into it 
and I feel gross even doing this, but you go like that, and you'd suck it up. You're like gagging the whole time. And that was the ceremonial meal. But we got, and the, and the missionary that was with us was just looking around the hut saying, eat what is set before you. I mean, there was no option, right? You know, it was that or divine judgment. So we ate, we ate what was set before us. Let me take it a step further though. In the Jewish culture, eating had to do with being spiritually unclean or clean. There's a lot of times where we enter into someone's life to love them, to show them the love of God. And there's stuff there that we don't really want to deal with. There's music that we don't like listening to, right? There's friendships that they have that make us uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable at times to enter into someone's life and tell them about Jesus, isn't it? But there's great joy in it, which we'll get to in a moment. Finally, rejection. Jesus said, hey, it's going to happen. You're actually going to go to people's houses on this trip, and you're going to say, peace to this house, which is a representation of just bringing the presence of God there, and they're going to not want it. It's going to return upon you. And Jesus is saying, hey, that's okay. There's those that I have chosen you to go to. You've got to trust me and press through those situations. So here's the bottom line. To embrace a lifestyle of telling others about Jesus, we have to move from awkward avoidance to an appointed identity. We've got to move from awkward avoidance to appointed identity. Listen, I don't like to feel awkward any more than you do, okay? But awkwardness at times is just our own pride rearing its ugly head and saying, you're better than this situation. Hey, Jesus is better than all of us. And he became a man, took on our nature to represent the kingdom of God to us. Amen. He had an appointed identity. And I think that's how God wants us to live as well. Got to press through the awkward, have an appointed identity. And so don't let intimidation, discouragement, awkward feelings keep you from being someone who experiences the joy of telling others about Jesus. Speaking of appointed, um, after college, I had some mentors in business, and they felt called. They felt appointed by God to start a specific a retail store in the city where we lived. It was, it was not a glamorous store, but it was there, and they felt God really called them to do that. Of course, they intended it to make money, but that was not their primary goal. They said, we think that God wants us to open this kinds of business, and he's going to transform lives through this business. And they, they asked me to be a part of it, so I prayed about it. God spoke to me, uh, interesting scripture out of Proverbs 11, he who wins souls is wise. And so I thought, wow, okay, I'll be a part of this business, and We'll see what God does. You know, a number of years later, there have been over 40 people that had given their lives to Jesus in the course of that business. And that one store had multiplied into four stores that were leading the state in that particular industry. It's a wonderful thing to see God transform lives. It's so enjoyable. I wrote down this quote by Charles Spurgeon. It says this, To be a soul winner is the happiest thing in the world. With every soul you bring to Christ, you get a new heaven on earth. Isn't that beautiful? It is so enjoyable to tell people about Jesus. Here's what Jesus had to say about it. Luke chapter 10, verse 17, he starts to tell his disciples, here's some different things you're going to see now that you're back from this mission trip. The disciples return, and they start to experience some joy. There's some key words here I just want you to notice. Joy, pleasure, rejoice. It's an exciting thing to tell people about Jesus. Verse 17, the first example. When the disciples returned... They joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Now you go walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. 
nothing will injure you. Here's the first thing the disciples start to notice as they're telling people about Jesus. They start to see some results. Hey, that's exciting, right? You got sent on this mission trip, and we're seeing some results. We're seeing that when we use the name of Jesus and proclaim it to people, people get changed, right? God shows up. He starts changing their lives. And that is exciting. But what's interesting to me is how Jesus immediately pivots. I think the disciples were getting a little too into their own ministry because it said, the demons obey us. They were kind of a little too excited about their new, their, their new thing they'd been called to do. And then Jesus is like, hey, guys, look, I saw Satan fall like he- from heaven like lightning, okay? So just, I've given you authority. Don't abuse it. But But then he says this, he brings them to a higher level of rejoicing. Don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Here's what I found. When I tell people about Jesus, my own relationship with God increases. I feel a new depth in my relationship with God. This is what it says in the New Testament, Philemon uh, chapter 1, verse 6. It says this, it talks about how our relationship with God grows as we tell other people about Jesus. I pray, this is a prayer for the early church, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Something happens as we effectively share our faith. Our own knowledge of what's available for us in Jesus starts to increase. There's a depth that happens in our own relationship with God. Hey, I love podcasts. I love Christian conferences, but a lot of people just need to go out and tell somebody about Jesus. They'll start growing in their faith. I had a story. Can't remember it. Let me look at my notes. Here we go. I was in an Uber the other day, and I was talking to the driver, and it was a Muslim guy, and so we started talking, and I asked him about his religion, and we were just kind of interacting. He was actually a very vocal Muslim. He was like recruiting for his mosque, and so he had different brochures he wanted me to read. And I said, well, can I tell you my faith story? And so I told him my story, and my faith story kind of culminates when I'm a senior in high school. I'm at a party. I go into the bathroom, and the presence of God fills that bathroom. And the Lord speaks to me in a powerful way. He says, Kendall, this isn't the life I have for you. I knew it was Jesus. I was touched by the Holy Spirit, and I walked out of that bathroom a different person. So I tell him this part of my story, and he's like, no way. Didn't happen. And I'm like, interesting. Okay, this would be, this would be a good conversation. And so I'm like, what do you mean it didn't happen? He's like, God would never do that. I'm like, why? He said, bathrooms are unclean. God could never go into a bathroom. And I said, oh, brother, you only know the law. Let me tell you about grace. You know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. My own understanding of, wow, that's what God did in my life, was so deepened because I was sharing my faith with somebody else. That's one of the joys, your relationship with God goes deeper as you tell other people about Jesus. Here, and here's the next thing. Your revelation of God increases as you tell other people about Jesus. Let's look now, continuing in Luke 10. At the same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. That must have been a good discipleship meeting right there. And he said, oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the child. Like, yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father. No one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. Okay, keep going. 
Then, when they were alone, he turned to the disciples and said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you have seen. I tell you, many prophets and kings long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. They longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. He's talking about the revelation of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Your revelation will increase as you tell others about Jesus. Kind of a random story uh, from my life. Uh, Last year, I um, ended up being on a small, private you know, kind of like two-prop plane. It wasn't like a glamorous thing at all. It was just this trip I was on that you ended up having to be on a small plane. And I was with two other people, and I was the youngest, so they made me sit in the front with the pilot, and I was the co-pilot. And I did not want to sit next to the pilot, okay? Like, I was freaked out by all the buttons up there. I kind of have a problem with spilling things, and I had this water bottle. I just could see myself spilling water on the instruments, and then that's it, right? We're just, we're going down. And so... I didn't intentionally tried to not put on the headset that the pilot wanted me to wear. And he was like, hey, I need you to wear that just in case I pass out or something. I'm like, oh, man. So I put on the headset and I'm like, well, hey, if I'm going down, I need to be doing something to get myself up. And so I said, okay, this pilot's going to hear about Jesus. I mean, if we're dying, he's going to hear. So so I, I just went and I told him the entire gospel on this little flight. But you know what happened to me during that? In my own fear, my own insecurity, something was broken off as I was proclaiming the goodness of God, as I started to say, hey, here's the first point of the story, Jesus died. Did you know that Jesus was born of a virgin? He lived, fulfilled many prophecies about his own life, performed miracles, lived a sinless life, and then he died. Every curse, every sin, every bad thing in the history of mankind was put upon him on a tree, and then he died, and he descended to the dead to show that he was the punishment for our sins. And then after that, he rose again to show that he has victory over sin, death, and the devil, and is the way to return. I'm starting to get encouraged right now as I'm telling you guys the gospel. And then and then I started to tell him about the resurrection. Recently, I've been meditating on the ascension of Jesus, that after he rose again from the dead, of course, he said to his disciples, hey, don't do anything before I send the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 1, verse 6 and 7, he ascends to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father and oversee the ruling of every galaxy and government before he comes again to judge the living and the dead. I'm encouraged because I'm preaching the gospel. Hey, when you're sharing the message of Jesus to someone, you're sharing it with yourself just as much as anybody. So keep doing it so you can experience the joy of your salvation. Isaiah 26, with joy I draw water from the well of salvation. That's what happens when we share the message of Jesus with other people. Results, relationship, Revelation, those are a few great reasons. Those are a few examples of what might happen when you share Jesus with other people and the enjoyment that might come into your heart and into your life. That's our why. Let's look at the what now. What are some opportunities that we have to tell other people about Jesus? Hey, here's an opportunity I want to point out to you that happens in this church regularly. This is our night strike outreach, okay? I think I got a picture from Mitsu's Instagram of our, here we go. Look at that night strike team. This is awesome. You guys need to clap, okay? These people are amazing. They're they're spending their Friday night telling people about Jesus in this neighborhood. And you just look different ages, background. I mean, just so exciting to see this team come together. And this is what Mitsu wrote on his Instagram. Night Strike Outreach was full of faith today. Pray emoji, okay? 
We saw many people who God showed us to reach out earlier. So he's talking about words of knowledge. He talks about people receive salvation. They got to interpret a dream for somebody that had a spiritual dream. They saw one lady's foot get healed, and they invited people to church. And then next slide, he also says, yeah, it wasn't perfect with everybody, and we kind of messed up a few times, but no big deal. And I love his last sentence. He says, we are sons and daughters of God who have an assignment on earth to co-labor with God to establish his kingdom. Some other emoji there. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on. This is what happens when we tell people about Jesus. So this is an environment where you can be trained to do this. But, you know, more than, than one event or, or one, one trip in your life, we want to have a lifestyle of telling people about Jesus because God has appointed us and he's put us in the place he has us because those people need to hear about his love. So here are some ways that you can do that. And I have some C's that are going to come up behind me. I'll start with C's. Here's the first one, celebration. You know, the last standing ovation most people got was on their high school graduation. The world does not have a culture of celebration, but I'm so thankful that we serve a God that loves to give encouragement, right? We serve a God that loves to build people up and encourage them. We do it here at this church in our staff meetings, in our small groups, in different meetings. When it's someone's birthday, we just go around the room and we encourage them and we speak into them what we see God doing in their life. Let me give you a tip. You can take that outside of the church, You don't even have to ask somebody's permission. Somebody's birthday in the office, you can just say, hey, was praying for you today. It's your birthday, right? Yeah, so I was praying for you. Oh, okay, thanks, yeah. Well, and I felt like God gave me an encouragement for you. Well, what was it? Well, you're a great parent, and this is what I see what's going on in your life. And I want to thank you for doing this for me at work. And you're just speaking life into them. And you're opening their heart to God. And you're just showing them, hey, this is how God sees you. Regardless of what other people have told you, what other, what, regardless of how you see yourself, this is how God sees you today. And you're putting those seeds in their heart of encouragement for inviting them into relationship with God. We want to celebrate people. I love one particular thing that's been going on in my life the last few years is I've done a lot of weddings for unchurched people. It's people that don't go to church and are definitely not following Jesus. And like, I'm talking like I'm the only church person at the wedding. You know what I mean? It's not like there's one couple and everyone's praying for them. No, like I'm the, I'm the one, you know, and it's very evident by the culture of the wedding. So there might be psychics there, or I might have walked on a catwalk in a Vegas casino to officiate a wedding or different things like that. I didn't ask for that. I tried to get out of it about 20 times, the coordinator insistent. So anyway, these interesting situations, but I, but I love being with someone on their day, and, you know, they're inviting you into that journey, and you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm a Christian pastor, so I'm going to point this wedding to Jesus. So if you want me to do your wedding, that's what they're going to do. They're like, great. They don't know who else to point it to. And so they're like, so, so then you're preaching the gospel with several hundred people, and you're giving them an opportunity to respond to Jesus. And you're doing it with joy, and you're encouraging each person. And there's no condemnation involved. You're just inviting them into a loving relationship, encouragement, and celebration, I think that's how Jesus wants us to live. Consistency. People need a consistent witness of Jesus in their lives. You know, it's one thing to go to a park and pray for somebody and then head home in a few hours. It's another thing to love your neighbor, right? Your neighbor hears you yell at your dog, okay? Right? Somebody in the last service said, or my kid, okay? But it's hard to hide in front of the people you see every day. 
And so one thing you can do consistently to invite people in the love of God is actually apologize to them when you do something wrong. My wife has seen several people come to the Lord this way. It's amazing just being consistent with people. Crisis. Hey, stepping into someone's crisis does not always seem enjoyable. But Jesus said it's more blessed to give and receive. Amen. See, many, many times when there's been someone in my life that's not open to God and they go through a crisis, a challenge, all of a sudden they're open to prayer, right? All of a sudden they're open to a word from God. Probably in your life, a lot of people come to this church in a situation like that. They just need hope. They're desperate. And they're open for a new season in God. That's what happens in our life when crises come into our life. We want to be there for people. We want to serve people practically you know, without an agenda, just building relationship with them, speaking hope, speaking life into them, be available for people in their time of crisis. If you look at Jesus, he's always just kind of walking around and then someone approaches him. Hey, my, my servant is sick. Hey, my daughter. I mean, he's always getting pulled into these different situations because he was available to minister and bring hope to people, right? That's how we want to be. It's a great opportunity to tell people about Jesus. Here's another one, culture. Talking about someone's culture is a great way to talk about Jesus. We live in a city that is full of different cultures. The other night, I took my family out to a Jordanian restaurant, and we got to talk about the culture of that country in Jordan. And we got to talk with the people, and then there was someone there for Palestine. And so we got to talk about the Palestinian culture and how that's different than Jordan, how that's different than Syria. And we found ourselves in these conversations that were deep and important to them. I was in a Uber the other day, and I, I, I talked to a, a different driver, and um, I, I just said, hey, you, you think you're from an African nation? He said, the nation. I was like, so what's the religion there? All of a sudden, we're talking about Jesus, Right? And yeah, he had, he had heard of church, he'd heard of religion, but I said, so, you know, what's the outcome for you? What do you think about that? Well, he said, well, I'm just trying to work hard and be a good person. I said, bingo, you're about to experience the God of grace, right? So just talking about culture. Always want to honor other people's cultures. Children and youth. It is so important for us as adults to be around children, Right? I remember um, my last family Christmas before there were any grandkids in the Christmas scene. It was kind of boring. Like, everyone kind of opens up their presents and like, okay, I guess I'll go do my own thing now, you know, versus Christmas with little kids. There's like piles of trash. People just crying. There's bathroom breaks and all kinds of stuff going on. But it's exciting, right? And, And just good for us to be about children. But I want you to know that God has appointed you to shape the children in your life. Even if you don't have children, God has appointed you to shape the children in your life. Children need shaping. They need someone to step into their world and help them develop a God-centered worldview. Just this week, I wrote down, my kids know Jesus, but I wrote down some different things I got to talk with my kids about to help them have a God-centered worldview. So, so here, here was a few things. First of all, we got to talk about Cupid and Valentine's Day and Greek idolatry. That was interesting. Okay, we got to address some big emotions because of something that happened in their life. Okay, so we got to handle that. We got to talk about mental illness and how that relates to homelessness. We talked about addiction. We talked about missions. We talked about sexuality. We talked about other cultures. I mean, what a privilege to to step into someone's world and point all those things back to what God says about them, right? I think I'd be very encouraged if we could do that for all the children here in this church. So many opportunities. What I'm inviting you into today is a lifestyle, not an event. 
You just say, hey, I want to I be a person that celebrates others. I want to do it consistently. I want to be here for people's crises. I'm just trying to share some examples with you on what that looks like. Let's move to the how. This January, I was uh, spending some time just getting a word from God for the year and praying. And I was at some friends, a friend's land up uh, in the Ramona area. And as I was up there, um, I was praying through different things in my life. So, you know, God, give us a word for our church and our family and different ministries I'm involved in. And I asked God, what are you doing in San Diego this year? And this is the word I felt like God gave me, Isaiah 45, verse 8. Isaiah 45, verse 8. You heavens above, rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. We're definitely seeing some clouds shower some things down this year, okay? Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. I, the Lord, have created it. I started just to pray that thought, God, let salvation spring up from the ground. And then I started to pray, God, it's, it's been a while since I've had the enjoyable opportunity to really, like, share your whole story with someone or see them make a decision to follow you. And, of course, as a pastor, we do that in services, but I'm talking, like, by myself or with my family at a restaurant or something, just, you know, in daily life, getting to pray with someone. I said, look, I really want this to be a year where you're doing that. And he said, yeah, salvation's springing up from the ground. You're going to get to see that this year. And, and then I looked up after my little time of prayer, and there was a guy that working on that land. So I went and I started talking to him. He was from Oaxaca, Mexico. So we started dialoguing. And then, you know, he had kind of like reddish eyes. I don't know whether he'd been crying or had a harder afternoon. I don't know what was going on with him. But he, he was a little emotional. And so I prayed for him. I told him, hey, I'm out here on this little retreat, having a time of prayer. We started talking about spiritual things. You know, from Mexico, lived in San Diego for years, had never heard the message of Jesus Christ. Never heard it. Never heard about the cross, sin, hell, heaven. I mean, the whole thing. And so we start talking through, and I'll I'll show you just what I showed him. I just pulled out one verse of the Bible. I said, hey, would you like to hear the one verse of the Bible that shares the entire message of the Bible? I know the Bible's intimidating to read, but if you'd like to see this one verse that explains a message to you, they said, yeah, of course I would. I said, well, it's right here, Romans 6, 23. And I pulled it up in Spanish because he spoke Spanish, so it was Romanos 6, 23, okay? And this is, this is what I said. For the wages of sin is death. Stephen, you can come on up. For the wages of sin is death. I said, here's, here's what happens. You go to work, you get a wage, For what we do, we deserve something. Our wage is death because we can't stop sinning. Regardless of if we try to do good, we still can't stop sinning. And I started to talk him through how we deserve sin and death and punishment for for the things that we've done. And, yeah, he was like, yeah, I I agree with that. I'm trying to work myself out of that. And I said, no, no, that's not the the news I want to share with you. You don't have to work yourself out of that because look at the next part of the verse. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I began to explain to him how we were still sinners. Jesus died for us. And he took the sins and the punishment that we deserve. And they came upon his body on the tree. And he became a curse for all of mankind so that we don't have to be cursed. And we can have a right relationship with God. And then I focused on that one word, Lord. And I said, hey, here's what it all comes down to. Will you make him your Lord? Will you choose to follow him and let his life flow into your heart? so you can experience the goodness of God. He said, yeah, yeah, I want to do that. We prayed right there, and he gave his life to Jesus. You know what? This word, Isaiah 45, verse 8, I think this is a prayer that God wants to answer this year. 
the next week I was in, in a little taxi and we were getting around San Diego and, and the driver got lost, which was stressing me out. And then I found myself on Spring Street and I thought salvation spring up from the ground. From Spring Street, La Mesa to Skyline Church on the 94, that guy had given his life to Jesus. You know what? This is a time where salvation is springing up from the ground. Let's enjoy it by telling people about Jesus. Will you stand up with me?